Hi, and welcome back to Love in Quarantine. I am your host, Carly Shortino. Before we start, I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Luand. Luand is a female-founded brand of premium pleasure toys, and I just got a box of toys from them last week and then spent the weekend doing some extremely laborious research into their products. And their stuff is really beautifully made. They have everything from a classic, high-powered wand massager to smaller vibrating bullets, which are USB rechargeable, very modern. To learn more about Lewand, visit lewandmassager.com and use code CARLY, K-A-R-L-E-Y, to take advantage of their special once a year 30% off sale, which is valid through May 31st. So today we're going to talk about the ethics of dating during our current pandemic. Now, obviously, there is always an ethical component to dating. I mean, one would hope that we're all always doing our best not to be cunty or manipulative. But now we've entered this new world where just getting within six feet of someone that you met on a dating app is potentially life-threatening, not only for you, but for the entirety of humankind, which is a lot of pressure. Personally, back when I was single and dating, something I was questioned and kind of struggled with was when you tell someone new that you're dating, that you're also dating other people. And You know, even in normal times, we're always navigating what you tell somebody and when you tell it and what privacy you're entitled to. And that goes for whether you're disclosing an STD or the fact that you're poly or that you're a dominatrix and have a consensual slave living in your basement. And now lots of us are past the two month mark of quarantine. And I know a lot of single people who have now moved on from virtually dating someone to now meeting up in person. And such funny things have come to be having to be potentially disclosed. Like my friend was recently freaking out because she couldn't figure out if she should tell the one guy that she's now dating and sleeping with that she had her manicurist come over. And my friend ended up enlisting her entire family to weigh in. And in the end, she did not tell the guy, but I assume that means a lot of you think that she's a murderous bitch. So admittedly, I have found myself judging people a bit during this period of time. Like, for example, people who met up with dates, um, having not quarantined independently for two weeks beforehand. My knee-jerk reaction was just, wow, that's really selfish. Like, don't you realize you're putting other people at risk? But then again, I'm not living alone, having not been touched for three full months. So I also feel like, who am I to judge? And meanwhile, to make all of this murkier, there's so much conflicting information going around about what is and isn't okay in regards to all of this stuff. And there's so much shaming associated with it. And in the midst of all this, many people are asking themselves, what is worth the risk? So today I'm talking with two people who are currently navigating the new landscape of dating. And the first is Ian. He's in his mid-30s, and he recently moved to Los Angeles. And he hit it off with someone that he was dating on FaceTime, and they recently decided to meet up for the first time in person. Um, so here it goes. So, okay, so now you're new in LA, and what's your living situation? Are you living by yourself? Yeah, yeah, living by myself um, in uh, sort of the first floor of a house in Venice Beach. Okay, when you move somewhere new, I mean, I've done this a couple of times. I, I moved to London when I was younger and then to New York and then to L.A. Um, a couple of years ago. And I always find that the first year is a bit hard, right? Like, even if you have friends in that place, it doesn't feel like home. You don't have your routines. Um, you don't, you know, you ha- it takes time to make, like, really close friends. And so much of that process is being able to, like, go 
go outside, leave your house, hang out with people, explore. And I feel like it must be so complicated to move somewhere and then just be stuck at home. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it cuts both both ways. On the one hand, you're absolutely right. And sometimes like getting to a new city, there's a little bit of an excitement in that you meet new people and other people are excited to meet you. You're new. Um, and after a while, that fades out. So it's kind of a bummer to miss out on like the initial bump of, hey, I just got here excitement. Right. And so then you get to LA and you guys decide to go on a date. And like, is this one of those social distance dates? Or like, what's the like, what is your plan, basically? Yeah, I mean, the plan for the date was essentially just to go on a walk. Uh, and it was to keep a respectable distance. So like, I, I, I wasn't going to bring a tape measure and measure out six feet. But I, but I also like wasn't going planning on holding hands either. And that was sort of the nature, or at least the intention uh, behind that first date. Now, like when it actually happened, um, we ended up at the introduction, hugging each other. So that sort of, uh, to some extent, uh, set the tone for the rest of the date. We still stayed, um, you know, a couple feet apart, again, not six feet apart. And there was no physical contact beyond that sort of initial hug. But that that was sort of the, the tone of that first date. So how did you initiate that? Like, did you lean in? Because I do feel like there is some... It's complicated, right, what the rules are. And I think that people are, there's a lot of shaming going on within this where it's like, how far do you sit from someone? Like I had a friend come over yesterday. She was really sweet. She baked me some um, banana bread. And then, then, you know, she puts the bread on the ground and we sit six feet apart from each other. But then it's like, I could tell maybe if one of us got a little closer than six feet by accident, like someone like kind of scooted away and then it feels a bit like, oh, you're infected, get away from me. You know what I mean? I feel like we're all kind of navigating what is what the difference, the middle ground between like polite and politeness and desire and appropriateness and ethics. My whole rambling thing is basically like, did you lean in? <laughs> or and like, did you talk about that beforehand? Or was <laughs> it like improvised? Yeah, so it, this is a great question. Um, and I totally agree. I, I think COVID for people who are single, particularly in the early to mid stages of like developing a romantic relationship, I think there's a ton of ambiguity in sort of what's moral, what's right and wrong, the do's and don'ts. I think people are sort of figuring, trying to figure this out on the fly and, and feeling their way in the dark on this. I think it's a lot easier and a lot more straightforward if it's just sort of a non-romantic group of friends, or if you're in like a couple that's been established for months and months, if you're living together, if you're engaged or married, etc. So I think this is particularly tricky for, you know, early to mid stage of developing a relationship for sure. And then to answer your, your question directly, I think, you know, in advance, we talked about uh, sort of the notion of like, hey, we're gonna have this date be some extent socially distant. Um, but at the outset, we, we didn't explicitly talk about, okay, how are we going to greet each other, right? And so like, when we first sort of met up, like we kind of both just like dumbly looked at each other for a second and like mutually decided to, to hug. And, and that's sort of just the way it went. So in that way, it was probably more spontaneous than I would have imagined. But it just sort of is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I have a bunch of friends who are just awkwardly wandering the streets six feet apart from strangers, and they're really loving it, honestly. And I just, but then it gets to the point where a friend of mine had a guy over her apartment, but then they didn't hook up. And I was like, well, is there a difference between having someone in your apartment and hooking up? So I think 
I no, I think there like your question is a good one, which is like, is there a from a public health standpoint, is there really a difference like once you cross the Rubicon and like enter the threshold of somebody's apartment? Like, is there no difference between that and just like having sex? Like, who knows? Um, feels like maybe not a massive distinction there. But I think psychologically, like putting aside, you know, exactly how, you know, the virus spreads, I would argue there's like a number of different thresholds uh, in people's minds, at least. Right. Uh, and like hugging, I think, is very different than going into someone's apartment, which I think is also very different than making out, which I think is also different than, you know, having sex. And, and I think like all of these things have their own psychology associated with them, where maybe the sort of psychology of it doesn't correspond perfectly to the like the public health elements of it. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. Okay. And then so for you guys, how did the first date go post post spontaneous hug? Went super well. I mean, it was super easy. We just went for a walk for, you know, a couple hours. And we sort of, you know, came back and actually came into my apartment, hung out, had a glass of wine and then called it. Right. So it's like letting someone into your apartment. It's like, did I don't know. I feel like I'm obsessed with logistics, but do you have to have the conversation? <laughs> like, do you want to come in and we won't touch? It must feel so charged because in like quote, the normal world, if you're inviting someone into your apartment after a first date, it's sort of basically saying, I want to make out. Right. I mean... Maybe not, but I don't know about you. Like if you invite someone over after a date, like probably there's going to be some sort of hooking up or touching to a degree. And so these we're in this like new rules where it's like inviting someone into your apartment is like the big thing of the date. <laughs> it's like the sex of the date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, so, so no, we didn't like say like, hey, do you want to come into my apartment and then I will not touch you? Like it, it wasn't that explicit, but we did sort of establish on the walk that like, hey, if we're going to spend time together in close physical proximity, then like it would be crazy for either one of us to do this with other people. So it's sort of like a almost a tacit exclusivity um, that you are mutually agreeing to when like engaging in, in this kind of a way. So I think um, like as long as there's good open communication around that kind of thing, then I, you know, I was, I was fine with it and it didn't feel too awkward. Wow. Okay. So that's interesting. So you're saying like post date one, you're, you had a good enough time that both of you were like, look, we want to invest in this and it's too dangerous to be investing in this kind of thing with more than one person at, at once. Because yes. we all have like our little circles, right? Like you all have to be like, how many people are you seeing? And and mm -hmm. you essentially have a conversation around like, how many people do you see every day? And 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 how do we mitigate the risk um, in order to being be able to yeah. see each other? And, and again, there's like there there's I think yeah. And so so yes, I think there are ways to have that conversation that aren't like, hey, like print me out a list of everyone who like you may have been in less than six feet of contact with in the past two weeks, that, that's sort of like less accusatory and more like macro level, like how are you approaching COVID? Um, are you a responsible person? And like, if you have enough of those conversations where you can get some sort of confidence that the person, you know, on the other end is responsible and making good choices, then I think, you know, that could give you a, a shared sense of like, okay, this is fine. Versus the other side of that is if the person doesn't instill that confidence and is going out and hanging out with a bunch of people, you know, et cetera, going to the beach and, and partying, then that would sort of lead the other way. 
Right. You're obviously better at this than I would be where I'm just like, give me your like login sheet every time you like leave the house and come back in. (laughs) And so do you guys, do you feel like, I think that some people that are in this period who are single and living alone are having a really difficult time ethically working out whether or not they should see anybody. Mm. But then I think that we, at the same time, need people, right? And, and and so for people who are living alone, I think that you have to weigh these ethical decisions um, against also your own need for touch and love and company. And it seems like people are in really different places when it comes to that. And do you think, do you have like um, some sort of code for yourself or are you working it out as you go along? Yeah. So like, again, this is, I think the fundamental point and you, you raise it well, which is that I think there's ambiguity here for people who are in like the early to mid stages of forming a relationship and everyone's going to have their own level of risk tolerance and everyone's going to sort of seek to find their own balance. And my balance may look and feel different than your balance may look and feel different than someone else's balance, which is why like to me, the most fundamentally important things are open communication with the other party and like, sort of acknowledging some form of like exclusivity because like what you can't do is like do this with multiple people. That's just like, that doesn't seem like it's sort of moral in any way, shape or form. Right. Yeah. Because touch is so incredibly important to our lives and our happiness and our mental well-being. I mean, I know that that, that's something that people say, but I I went to um, a few years ago, this sex and love addicts anonymous meeting. And like, I actually did go with a friend, but it's like completely pointless to say that because it's going to sound like a lie. But so a lot of these meetings they have, it's sex addicts and anorexics together. Like that's the term. And, um, and so people who are sex anorexics, they, there have a lot of anxiety around sex and, and physical intimacy and stuff. And there was this, this leader there who was saying to them, you know, no touch is, can be really like a, a cause of depression and anxiety. And they were even suggesting to these people, like, ask a friend that you love or a family member for a long hug. Like, even just having a long hug once a week is going to make a difference in the long run for someone who's not having any other physical contact. And it stuck with me forever. I think about it all the time. I'm just like, wow, like it's just like a little hit. Like even, you know, you don't, you take a lot of these things for granted. And then, um, you know, people who are, you know, sitting single or whatever, living alone, not having sex with people, whether you're getting a massage or whether you're playing sports or whether you're just like seeing friends and giving them hugs, all these things make such a difference. Do you, do you think about this stuff as someone who's living alone? Yeah, totally. I, yeah, no, I think like I think about it in a similar vein to physical health, right? Like that everything you're describing is super important to mental health. Um, there's also sort of a physical health element to this. And so physically, like I, I want to go outside and go for a run. And there's some element of risk you're introducing by doing that because there are other people on that path. And, you know, someone's sweat droplets could you know, like hit the wind and hit you, somebody could sort of cough on you. But like, nonetheless, it's really important to me for my mental well being to go out on a run. Um, And I think, you know, in sort of the same way, uh, I I agree, I think, you know, intimacy, relationships, engaging with other people, and to your point, like, to some extent, physical touch, um, that stuff matters. And, And so finding the right balance, for you um, in a responsible way, I think is what everybody is kind of 
struggling with during this time. And again, like there's no rule book for this. Everybody's kind of fumbling around in the in the dark. Lastly, do you have a plan for your next date? Not at the moment, actually. Not at the moment. My suggestion is sitting six feet apart from each other and drinking in the street because, I mean, it just feels apocalyptic and like it's too hot out. It's 90 degrees outside. You can't you can't go any more walks. Yeah. Anyway, okay. take that advice if you want. I'll take that, I'll take that suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Loving Quarantine is sponsored by The Wand, a brand of premium pleasure toys designed with all bodies in mind. One of my favorites is the Arch, which is a double-ended stainless steel wand. It's basically a really weighty G-spot stimulator, which I recommend. And it's also dishwasher safe, which makes cleanup a lot easier depending on whether you have roommates or parents who you share your dishwasher with. Anyway, to learn more about the wand, visit lewandmassager.com and use code CARLY to take advantage of their special once a year 30% off sale valid through May 31st. So next I'm speaking with Tatiana. Tatiana is a recently divorced mother of two living in Minneapolis, and she shares custody with her ex-husband. Before the pandemic, Tatiana had just come to embrace her new identity of being non-monogamous. And so now during this time of quarantine, she's decided that she still wants to be dating multiple people, which clearly given her family situation makes things pretty complicated. So, before, you know, you said you got divorced about a year ago. Um, before quarantine, what was your dating situation like? Were you seeing anyone? Um, or And like, what are you, what were you looking for? Yeah, I, I mean, it's just been a year, but I, our marriage was over well before then. We were together for seven years and I've been talking about separating um, probably several years before this. So I was absolutely ready to date. And right when we separated before our official divorce, um, I was on all the dating apps and looking around. I knew I didn't really want something serious right away. I think I'm finally getting to that place. But um, I definitely I definitely wanted to see people, to start seeing people. I'm pretty social. I have a good group of friends. Um, but I think dating is super fun. And because I got married at... 24. Um, I kind of miss that opportunity in my early adult years. So, so yeah. And then, so when quarantine happened, what were your thoughts? Were you like, okay, you know, do I have to stop dating? Was there someone that you were seeing regularly enough that you had a discussion with them maybe about seeing each other? Like what was your, what was the mental landscape around how sex and dating would work during this time? Yeah. So again, it was all long distance. Um, and with one of the guys that I was seeing. And so we, I I knew that it was going to be really hard. Um, I also wasn't seeing anyone close to here that I was close enough with that we could quarantine each other, you know, just becoming in and out of each other's lives really easily. I know a lot of my friends have basically been saying they would be willing to get back together with their exes and quarantine with them. Um, (laughs) which is kind of sad. I think that shows how, how much loneliness is a burden, you know, saying that if they knew this pandemic, this pandemic was coming, you know, they wouldn't have broken up with their boyfriends. So they're willing to sacrifice their happiness and, and their freedom and, you know, just to not be lonely. And I've been divorced for a year. If I knew this pandemic was coming, I would absolutely still get fucking divorced. But I realized, (laughs) I've realized how hard I am on my loneliness. And I would still find a safe way to continue to stay connected with people. So at first, it was a bummer. Um, 
but then I thought about it and I knew I, I could continue I could continue dating even in this landscape. So, you know, the reason that we're having this conversation today, the two of us is to talk about, you know, dating during Corona and the ethics of that. And, you know, clearly all of us are making ethical decisions, big and small, mm-hmm. every single day, right? right? Uh, like the other day, I ran out of alcohol, you know, emergency mm-hmm. during yep. a pandemic. Emergency. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And I was, it was a complicated decision because I was like, well, going to the grocery store just to get alcohol when I have all my other groceries, um, you know, that's not, quote, essential. And and I had to kind of make that ethical decision. Um, and I, whatever, I ended up waiting until I needed a few more things, but probably went definitely went before it was like an emergency. Um, And, you know, we're deciding, is it okay to sit on someone's yard six feet away from them? Blah, blah, blah. And I don't feel like in a place to judge people, but I also understand that there's a lot of judgment flying around. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how do you make that decision? You're saying in quarantine, I still want to date. What are like the rules for yourself and kind of how did you come about to make that decision? Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard, like you said, um, everything seems to require such critical thinking. I know that there's expert opinions that you can lean on. um, But when you start going down a rabbit hole, I think that's just so detrimental for your health. I actually was diagnosed with OCD a few years ago. And a lot of people don't really understand what OCD is, but it's basically like, if I did something, I'm a bad person. If I don't do this, something bad might happen to me. And so I've had different tactics that I've used to overcome that type of thinking of going down that rabbit hole and just trying to live my life. And I'm trying to be as safe as I can for the sake of my family, for the public. But I I do believe there are ways that we can be safe and continue to slow the spread of this while not losing our sanity. So this pandemic is really interesting because it's forced all of us, all of America to be still and to be quiet and to sit with ourselves and our feelings. And when we get sad or annoyed or bored, we really tend to want to fight those feelings and we do things to distract us. So I become okay at learning how to sit still with myself through those range of feelings. Um, but I'm not perfect at it. And so a lot of I've thought a lot about the purpose of dating right now. Am I using it as a way to cope with unwanted feelings? Probably. Is it a distraction? Yes. Um, I'm not going to deny that. But I think dating for me and romance and sex is also so nourishing and such a positive experience. I I just knew that I didn't want to give that up. And so then you're asking the question of, you know, does the benefits outweigh the risks of this? Is it more dangerous to go out? Um, I obviously, I care deeply about my family and my children, and I don't want to harm them in any way. But I also believe that doing what you can to show up as the best version of yourself is really what the world needs from you. So during this time, my kids can't go to daycare or school. They can't go play with their friends. I'm their constant, their, I'm their safety net, their entertainment. And for the sake of them, I need to be mindful about how I show up every day. And I know it's not, I'm not going to die without sex. Well, maybe, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like that. <laughs> but I'm not going to die yeah. without it right now. But it is such a part of my wellness routine basically and my mindset that I knew if that went away I would be risking a lot of who I was and how I was showing up if that if that makes sense I'm doing it for my kids (laughs) yeah no it totally makes sense I understand that there are so many factors um in these you know in these decisions that we're making 
And what is your dating life like right now? Like what, who are you meeting? How many people are you meeting? What are you doing on dates, et cetera? Yeah. Um, so what I've done is, um, you know, since I am on some of the dating apps and there's actually like a lot of activity on the dating apps right now, which is great. And a lot more people than I thought are willing to do like the FaceTime or the Zoom or the Google meetups. So I've talked to maybe like a handful of guys on um, over like a FaceTime date. And then there's been two guys that I have that we've said, you know, like, hey, let's go meet. And, you know, I still want to be safe. So I still want to meet in a public space first. You know, I don't want to invite them into my home or go into their home without really getting to know them. So I've gone on like just like a few walks in the park um, or outside by by the lake um, and gotten to know them. One guy, I didn't really see it going anywhere, but another guy, we did that twice. And then we knew that we wanted to see each other more intimately. And we we also knew enough about each other that we had both been quarantined um, with our families, none of who are like at high risk of um, serious complications. We both work from home. So um, yeah, we, I mean, we connected and um, I've been back to his place several times and now it's just kind of that fun introduction of dating. Right. And so you really have this, the thing that I find funny about like ethical conversations that you have with people around sleeping together and dating and social distance dating is that it feels like the pandemic equivalent of like the STD conversation. Exactly. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. So are you having that? It's like, when was the last time you were tested? Like, is that, does it feel like that you're actually getting, you know, going through a chess checklist of I need this information to feel safe? Or is it kind of like, you know, what's your general vibe? Do you, are, are you being careful? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. I, and I, I mean, it's easier for me because I've been doing this for a I'm, I'm comfortable enough with myself to like ask some of those questions. You know, I've, it's like safe sex on steroids, basically. And I'm not, I know that there's a lot of people that are afraid to ask about, you know, your, your background. I mean, people are even afraid to like wear condoms. Um, And I mean, I think that's unfortunate. And I think if like, this was a, a bigger topic, if we talked about it more, people wouldn't be so afraid. Fortunately, again, like, I have become comfortable enough to be able to ask some of those questions. And so it doesn't feel, it actually feels really easy and really natural to just be like, you know, hey, what have you been doing? Right. And then would you see more than one person at a time? Yeah. So I am not, um, (laughs) I'm definitely not above seeing more than one guy at once. And I kind of, I kind of sneak that in there. I usually tell people, I actually, uh, I don't know if I'll be monogamous again in my life. Maybe I will be, but um, that's not really my thing. I'm not like looking for just like one person to settle down and live, you know, my life with right now. And so I kind of make that clear up front. So this, it's kind of like ethical non-monogamy with like a family and kids not during a pandemic is already, I'm like, wow, those people have to have so many freaking conversations. Uh (laughs) But like during now, right, just like a negotiating feelings and time, but like now doing those things, like, do you have to have conversations with everybody about this? Like, do you have to sit down with your kids and your ex and talk about it? Because, you know, everybody has a different like code for themselves about what that makes them feel safe, what they think is Mm -hmm. ethical. So then 
how do you, um, you know, like when you get a divorce, you're still a family, right? So then how do you have those conversations? And, and what if, what happens if you disagree with what the right way mode of operation is? Yeah. I mean, I think all you can do is be as non-judgmental and accepting on your side. So I can't control what other people think of me. I'm not, um, you know, women still have such a hard time expressing their sexuality and how important sex is to them. But I feel like for finally the first time in my life, I don't feel shameful about the decisions I've made regarding sex. And I, I think women can hook up and have sex. And, and if you do it safely and consensually, that those, those decisions shouldn't affect my character, my moral value, my friendships or my career. And they've definitely, it, it has affected some friendships, but those then aren't people that I really want in my life. And I, I want the respect of my ex-husband, but like, I, but I don't need his re- approval or respect. I'm going, I'm going to live my life. And I mean, in fact, every time I have consensual sex and my pleasure isn't celebrated, it's like we're putting a coin in like the patriarchy bucket. And I'm just, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, you know, I'm being resistant. I'm asking myself every day, like, how can I feel empowered about myself and my sexuality? Oof, that's so complicated, right? Because you're, de- <laughs> I'm trying to get this right. Like, I, okay, so as a woman, right, I'm, and as someone who's like writes about sexuality and, you know, at various points has been in non-monogamous relationships. <laughs> I know, it's hard. <laughs> I avoid saying poly because that was like, yeah, Yeah. okay, that's smart. Okay, (laughs) poly relationships, open relationships, writing about being, you know, quote unquote slutty and reclaiming that word. And it can take a lot to have the self confidence to be like, no, I'm not ashamed about that. I'm taking control of my sexuality. I like the, I, you know, sleeping with multiple people makes me feel good, all those things. And then I imagine that, you know, you're just kind of gaining like you're saying, the confidence to to identify that way and to vocalize that. And then on top of like the ways that society shames women for, for being sexual in that way, now also you have like this other layer of shaming because of the pandemic. And I wonder, it's like, is it, is it hard to pull those things apart? Like, does it just, like if people are like, it's a pandemic, you shouldn't be seeing multiple people. Or are you just like, I feel slut shamed, you know? Yeah, and I feel like as a woman, I mean, yes, there's like layers. And on top of that, like I'm mixed, like I'm a biracial woman. I live in like a patriarchal society. Like there's just layers upon layers and layers. And I feel like that has, has allowed me to come to a point where my life, or I'm just, I care, you know, I'm not an expert. I don't have the numbers or statistics. All I know is what I see is what's going on around me and how I feel. And I just, there's so much shame and judgment around people who are not social distancing as much as others, but we just need to have more conversations about how we can keep our sanity at this time. And I mean, that's totally okay if people are, are disagree with me. Um, but the more that I can speak up and say how I feel about it, I know that the more empowered other people will feel about it. Right. And what, and so are there things that you, well, wait, first let me ask. You know, as we were talking about your ex and your kids, what mm-hmm. what do those conversations look like? Like, what do you say? And then how has that been negotiating that with your ex? Yeah. So, I mean, it's really easy because we we are both in a place for a while um, that we knew, like, it just it just wasn't working out for us. Um, I am pretty truthful with him about, like, who I'm seeing um, and what I'm doing. I, again, I've only seen three people in 
like met in person. So it's it's not like handfuls of people that I'm coming into contact with. Um, but he he knows that I'm, you know, respectively like a pretty safe person, pretty conscious person, and that I can have those conversations and has trusted me enough that I can that I can tell him, hey, I'm I'm gonna go on a date and meet this guy. I'm of course thinking about our kids and our family. But um, this is something that I feel is safe. And it's just like how I really do have to trust him when my kids are with him. I mean, not even things pertaining to dating and sex, but with anything, you know, the food that he gives them, you know, how he interacts with them. I mean, who's around them, even not during a pandemic. Um, It's just it's taken a lot of trust. And of course, we get frustrated with each other and argue. But I think just being honest is of the utmost importance. Yeah. And like, you know, you were saying before earlier on about the fact that that this is nourishing to you in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's fair to say, look, I'm taking a risk and I understand that, but it's worth it because of what I'm getting out of it? Yes. And I mean, most of the people that have been giving me slack are people that are in relationships and um, people that are paired up, but almost every single single person I know has not been able to completely quarantine themselves. It's a totally different game because you, I mean, we're going insane. And I know a lot of people will say it's so easy to just like sit on the couch at home on your TV. I just, I've learned so much about my mental health and I just know that's it's going to be so detrimental for myself and my family. And after I like now having this relationship with this guy for a few weeks, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just able to show up and yes, I'm thinking about other people, but I'm just also thinking so much about my happiness and my kids' happiness. And I mean, that's, that's really important to me. So like, yes, it is risky. A lot of things that we do in life are risky, but um, yeah, I'm willing, I'm willing to take that risk. Right. Like it seems like from the way that you're talking about sex and its role, you know, and relationships and their role in your life that like, it's a big part of making you feel mentally healthy, grounded, good about yourself. Like, would you say that set, like, you know, during this pandemic, people are having really difficult times, obviously, like there is a ton of stress and anxiety without being able to date or see other people or be sexual other people during this time. Like, what would that mean for you to not be able to do those things? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a funny it's a funny question because I feel like we put sex and and dating like so low on the totem pole. Like it's not essential, but to me, it's like, it's like exercise or, I mean, obviously maybe not as important as like, as feeding yourself, but like exercise, you know, I'm not going to die right now without it. But like in, you know, as I'm living my life, it's, it's definitely nourishing me in certain ways. And I think women are really shy, especially about how important sex is to them. And I just, I know, I mean, especially during the end of my marriage, I mean, how we just weren't physically intimate and it was really, really hard. Um, The importance of physical touch is it's such a proven thing. And it's like, we're so willing to turn our eye to that. Um, that I, I don't know. I just, I know how it makes me feel and I believe in it so much. And all, all of the statistics are right there. Um, yes, there's some people that don't need it as much as others. Um, but it's, it's just, it's a part of your daily wellness, um, to me. And I, I think it, it could be for a lot of people as well. And during this period of time, have you been feeling lonely? Oh yeah. It's, it is, it's really hard. I mean, I've been, we did, 
you know, some Zoom calls for the first few weeks. And, you know, people say that's a great way to, you know, continue to connect. But after a couple of weeks, I mean, you're over it. I mean, we all know, like, that shit doesn't stand anymore. Like, we, we want to see people. And, I mean, there's something to say about human connection. And, I mean, why we want to connect with people is, is such a natural thing that, you know, over the screens, it just, it doesn't do it. Like I, I read so many articles during these times and most of them will suggest, you know, you just keep up with FaceTime, you know, buy some sex toys, masturbate. And yes, like absolutely <laughs> do all those things. But are people, are people really doing that? Um, we need some form of touch. And I don't think that's a failure. I just think, or a bad thing. Um, it's just something that we have to figure out and how to accomplish that in a, a safe as possible manner. And so like, you know, at the beginning of this, you're not seeing people, you have all this like pent up sexuality. Like what was your first date experience like? Like, was it like, oh my yeah, God, thank um, fucking God. Pretty nice. <laughs> what happened? Um, it, was, it, it was nice to just um, see just like another person that you're like attracted to. I mean, friends are great and stuff, but it's obviously just like, it's such a different energy. We um, met up by the lake and we kind of talked but as you know I mean obviously I'm admitting you're putting yourself in a harder situation of being in in front of somebody obviously if you're just over the screen you can't physically touch them so I, I knew that I knew going into it and um, meeting them at at this lake that it was you know probably going to turn into something more and eventually like we held hands and kissed at the end of it and then went our separate ways and then after that um, we had talked about going to one of our houses and at that time, it just, it felt okay to do that and to move forward with that. So that's what we did. And so how, was that a positive experience ultimately? Yes, absolutely. I think, I mean, anytime you start dating somebody new and like there's any spark, um, it really, I mean, it just like life just seems a little bit lighter and you have something, it's new with this pandemic, I think things are, it's just so mundane. Things are so the same every day. So when you meet people new, it gives you this like spark of energy. I always think of like, what, what gives me energy during the day? And I think for a lot of people, like being at home, seeing the same people doing the same things is so incredibly draining. And so this, it just, it's given me a little bit more energy so that I can actually, when I need to sit in front of my computer and do my job and write, and create, I've been able to do that a little bit better than I know I could be if I'm sitting here frustrated because I, I feel so lonely. And so I think this pandemic just made it incredibly hard, especially for single people. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That is, that is absolutely for sure. I think this has been a really insightful conversation. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to what you're saying, whether or not their situation is exactly the same as yours. You know what I mean? I think the idea of weighing the ethics of, um, you know, loneliness versus, wait, <coughs> sorry, I'm coughing, oh, corona. Like, <laughs> no, I think I just like swallowed dust. But like um, making ethical decisions is something that we, I think everybody can relate to. Yeah, no, this is great. I think just be kind and be patient with yourself and others. And this is hard. There's, there's, there's nothing more to say than that. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it and hope you liked the episode. 
If you've been liking this podcast, it would be so nice if you would subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps. Loving Quarantine is created and produced by me, Kali Shortino, and Rachel Rapkin. Produced in partnership with Blue Duck Media. See you next time.